Okay, if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis, the 26th chapter, please. Genesis 26. And let's begin reading with verse 1. Genesis 26. And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell into the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Let's jump down to verse 12. Then Isaac showed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. They were jealous of him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the day of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us. For thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of that well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. Question. Are you digging deep enough in your walk with God to find living water? 
In John 7.37, in the last day of the great feast, Jesus stands up and he cries out, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Ask yourself, have any rivers of living waters flowed out of your soul lately? Have you experienced any of those flash floods of the Holy Ghost gushing out of you as God was using you in the kingdom of God? When's the last time we all got to be honest with God? When's the last time we really experienced a gushy washer? When's the last time we really felt that wonderful, glorious influence of God? When's the last time we felt the hand of God where the Spirit of God just lifted us up out of ourselves and for that moment we were filled with the Spirit and everybody could see the demonstration and power of that happening in your life. To own a well in Palestine was to possess a fortune. Those wells were the water of life for both men and beasts. Look at verse 15. All the wells that Isaac's father Abraham digged and the godly Isaacs that followed, the Philistines of this world were working hard to plug those wells up. Every time Israel turned around, every time God's people went somewhere, there the Philistines were to fill their wells, to stop their wells, and to bring everything between them and God to a halt. Look at all the churches that were forced to shut down and jailed and persecuted because they wanted to be free to worship God during the epidemic. A coincidence? I'm here to tell you no. I'm here to tell you something's going on in this country and half this country's asleep and don't know it and if ever there was a time that we needed to start digging, I'm telling you it's today. Oh, I'm gonna. I want you to see something out of every life where rivers of living waters flow, not every well that's digged will yield contentment. Because there are battles to fight. Every time you try to take a step forward, do something for God, glorify God, the Philistines are going to be there to, 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 to stop your well. To stop for you from manifesting such a wonderful power of God in the midst of a lost and dying world. Verse 19 and 20 says, Isaac's servants digged in the valley and they found that there was a well springing, springing water. And this happened in the Philistine town called Gerar. So here are God's people 
still living in the territory in the town of Gerar, and they dug a well, and it was a gully washer. And the Philistines said, that's our water. That's our well. And Isaac called the name of that well Esek because there was contention. Listen to me. Then in verse 21, Isaac digged another well, and they fought over the blessings, and Isaac called the name of that well Sitna, which means hatred. Out of their bellies flowed rivers of living waters till the estate had to be settled. Till the divorce had to be settled. Who am I talking to? Look at verse 22. What did Isaac do? He just worked like a slave to dig a well. It was a beauty. And contention started. And then hatred developed. What did Isaac do? He didn't fuss. He didn't fight. He just went up the road and he dug another well. You and I got to keep digging. And don't let anything stop you from digging. What did, what did Isaac do? He quit fighting. And he called that well Reboth, which means the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. It was a severe struggle for Isaac to spend so much labor on that well and then have to let them go. But as 1 Peter, the third verse, the third chapter and the ninth verse, you need to underline this, this, this verse in your Bible. 1 Peter 3, 9. Listen to what it says. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but render blessings instead knowing that your inheritance shall be great, for he that will love life and see good days, let him hold his tongue from evil and his lips from guile, and let him seek peace and strive to attain it. Not everything in this world and every incident that you're going to run into in your lifetime is worth fussing for, fighting for, arguing for, increasing your blood pressure. Let it go, Louis. Amen? In view of eternity, whatever you're squabbling for in this world, it ain't worth it. Let it go. I'm going to make some points here. The Philistines, they may have stole some of your blessings, 
And they may have stole some of your joyful moments. And they may have tried to rain on your parade. And that's what they wanted to do to Isaac. They stole the blessing, but they could not steal from Isaac his blessing of knowing God. Remember that when you're going through a lot of trials, a lot of stress, and running into a lot of opposition. They may be able to take a little joy, take a little peace out of your soul, aggravate you a little, but the one thing you can't give up is your relationship with God, and you got to keep digging, or they're going to take it away from you. Here's the point. Our afflictions and trials sometimes will drive us back to the place of blessings away from the petty squabbles of life. Let this poor world fight, steal, and kill to hang on to its temporal things. But let us, church, never stop digging for those rivers of living waters. Have you ever stopped to realize what our Lord has made room for us? Have you stopped to realize what God has done for us? And the room that He made for us. He made room for us in His atoning death. He made room for us so we didn't have to go to hell, but now we can go to heaven. God made room for us. Amen? And then in his glorious gospel, he made room for us to understand more of Christ's likeness and to understand how to live to please our God. And then he made room for us in his loving heart. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And then he made room for us in a never-ending home called heaven. Now read verse 25. And Isaac builded an altar there and pitched a tent there and digged wells there. There where? Everywhere Isaac went, Everywhere he journeyed through life, the first thing that he did was to build an altar. What's the first order of man? What's the conclusion of the whole matter of life? Fear God and keep his commandments. The first thing you ought to do, whatever you do in life, wherever you go, whatever you achieve, the first thing you and I have to do is build an altar and keep our relationship with God alive. What is your life? James is talking about the brevity of life, the swiftness of life. What is your life? It's only a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it's over. Then what? Quench the flames of the altar in a marriage, in a home, in a city, or a nation. 
put off worshiping God and destroy the influences of Christianity and in 20 years society will fall to pieces because of its own rottenness. Look around. Look what's happening in this country in the last 20 years. All nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Secondly, Isaac pitched a tent. That speaks of the challenge of the changing existence along the journey and the importance that we Christians should cultivate a detached spirit in regard to the temporal things of this old world. Thank God for material blessings, but don't let them own you, don't let them control you, and don't let them keep you from your altar. And thirdly, everywhere Isaac traveled through life, he dug a well, not only to keep his servants and their families and their beasts alive, but to keep the nourishing presence of God in their midst alive. Isaac lived out his 180 years, but the Philistines' envy and hate never ceased because his godliness has intruded upon their wickedness. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the godliness of God's people in this nation are an annoyance and an intrusion to those who are calling the shots. That's why they tried to stop worship. Because if they stop worship and the church lets them get away with it, it'll only be a matter of time. Everything will be gone. Listen. The Cain spirit has never left this world because the voice of all the innocents out there their blood is crying out unto God from the ground every hour of every day throughout this world. And any time something from this world gets up into God's nostrils, something's going to come down. And it isn't going to be pretty. The Philistines of this world look upon Jesus and all the true Christians of this world, they look at us like we're intruders, like we're aliens from another planet. Thus they want to silence our message and stop the flow of the living waters where everything lives and dies if our water and our living waters are cut off. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Isaac's Beersheba and the pilgrim's Plymouth Rock are two of a kind, because in both cases, first came the altar, then the shelter, and then the wells of living waters. Why do you think God blessed America when the pilgrims came over? The first thing they did was build an altar, thank God, gave thanks unto God, created a thanksgiving because they were thankful that God protected them to get away from one uh, uh, hierarchy 
to get to some place where they could worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience. I want to tell you something, church. Those of you who listen to me via live stream, you better get out of the ring of all the petty stuff and you better start digging. You better start digging. That goes for every preacher. That goes for everybody in every church. We have got to start digging and digging deep. Listen. Life doesn't always run in a straight line. Sister Charlene, this Bible needs to be beat up a little bit. Every time I try to open it, the devil makes it close. I'm not calling you a devil. Oh, that you got the Bible? Oh, well, whose Bible is this? Let me find out. It's uh, Shannon Morrison's Bible. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Life doesn't always run in a straight line. There are dangerous curves and edges that fall deeply off the road of life. And to listen, and to get where you are going in life is not always easy. As a matter of fact, life for humanity all over the world has become very difficult to manage in Philistine territory. And one of the very keys of navigating successfully through life is the discernment to be able to know who you are and where you are. And if you don't know where you are, you don't know how close you are to where you are going. That's why. That's why God miraculously gave us the Word of God. So ignorance won't be able to be used as an excuse at the judgment. It's the greatest global positioning system in the world. What? God's eternal word. God can establish your moral and spiritual position from a million miles away. For the word of God is sharp than any two-edged sword. And it even divides between the soul and the spirit. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You listen to me. You can run, but you can't hide. Nobody can hide anywhere from God in this world. No matter what secret place. No, ma no matter which no-tell motel. No matter what little hiding place. God sees it all. Because his GPS is impossible to stop. You see, God gave us his word to help us locate where we are in life. And one of the painful revelations of finding right where we are in life are the Ten Commandments. You want to know where, you're in, where you are in life with God? 
Just read the Ten Commandments. God will find you in a hurry. Why do you think they took the Ten Commandments and the Bible and prayer out of our schools? Because they love darkness rather than light. And somebody needs to let them know that. When Jesus... You see... Let me, let me repeat that. If you don't know where you are, you don't know how close you are to where you are going. This Bible will find us no matter where we go. No matter who we are. No matter what we do. And this is amazing. When Jesus, after he had just been baptized, God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. He just got filled with the spirit. He just got done tangling with the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And he walks into the temple right after being tempted of the devil for 40 days. And what happens? Someone gives him the book of Isaiah. Watch this. So he opens the book. And he finds the place where it's talking about him. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Open your book. And find out where you are. That's the first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry. He walked in the temple. Somebody gave him the gospel of Isaiah. He opened the book and he said, oh, there I am. God called me to preach the gospel. God called me to preach to the brokenhearted. What has God showed you about you in your Bible? Amen? You know why it gets quiet in here too often? We're not digging deep enough. Out of our bellies is supposed to flow rivers of living waters. Not a faucet that's just dripping. Amen? This Bible is amazing. And what did Jesus say? And today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Every once in a while, it's good to find ourselves in the word of God as God sees us. Amen? And not what we see, but what we see in the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the most deceived of all? That's why you got to look in the book. That's why you got to find your lifestyle in the book. If 
Find out if your lifestyle lines up with the, with the lifestyle of Christ. And then preachers won't be standing in the pulpit marrying same-sex partners. And courts won't be legalizing all that nonsense. The reason we're in the shape we're in is because Americans can't find themselves in the Word of God. And there's not enough preachers to show them what the Word of God says. When we read the story, how do we see ourselves in the Bible? Would we read the story of the prodigal son? We begin to see that once we were that prodigal. When we read the story of the elder son, we understand that we can be in the house, but, say, but lost in the house. We understand when we open that Bible and we, we, we see the thing about the lost sheep and the lost sheep's been found, we see ourselves in the Bible. Hallelujah. That's the reason we come to church. 150 plus times a year to give ourselves opportunity to find where we are in our walk with God. The first thing we see in Genesis 26.1, there was a famine in the land during Isaac's generation. Every generation has its famines and battles to face. Be they physical or spiritual, there are always two lives to feed. That's why the first thing that they did when they were in those deserts, they dug a well, they built an altar. Why? There was two lives to feed. Jesus said, what did he say in Matthew 4 and 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You got to feed this guy and you got to feed the other guy. That's down inside of you. That's That's eternal. That's never going to die. And the second thing we see in verses 1 and 2, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, is enticing Isaac to go into Egypt, but the Lord says to him, don't go down to Egypt. Why? Because Egypt represents that which is convenient, that which is comfortable, that which is easy living. What are you talking about? You didn't have to worry about water in Egypt. They had irrigation systems. They had running water and no boundaries for wholesome living. God says, stay out of Egypt. And the prosperity and the wealth and all the entertainments that this world is being invaded with are not healthy for our children, our marriages, and our homes. Because Egypt represents that which is not healthy for God worshipers. So God said to Isaac, don't go down into Egypt, but stay in the land of promise that I promised unto your father Abraham. So while Isaac was still in the land of famine, 
He had to build an altar, dig a well, and keep himself and his family alive, both physically and spiritually. If there's anything that we need to learn in America today is, if we think we're going to get through this mess without God, we are deceived. Constitutional freedom in voting, while it is a blessing, will not set us free from sin and evil. Education, for sure, the academia world is shot. And they will never get us through this mess. Neither can wealth and health and prosperity get us out of this mess. If God is not, for our, if God is not our help, we will not get through everything the Philistines are throwing at us. Well, what do we need? We need an Isaac generation to rise up and start digging from their wells where, living, where rivers of living water are coming out. The churches in America need to stand up in Jesus' name and let the Philistines know that God is still in charge of this world and they can never stop the flow of living waters. But we won't see that pouring out of God's power without digging more deeply for more of God in our lives. And if every generation has its battles, then thank God, through the grace of God, it can have its victories. And I think you know that Old Testament events are types and shadows of things that are going to happen in the gospel day. Egyptian bondage speaks of sin's bondage. The pharaohs speak of satanic powers, loose today, holding God's people in slavery and sin. The Red Sea that destroyed Pharaoh and all of his Egyptian army speaks of the blood sacrifice of Christ that destroyed the power of all our sins and set us free. And our text lets us know that the Philistines are the ones who stopped up and filled the wells of God's people with dirt so that without living water, they know that those that are resisting them without worship, without being able to have church, without being able to read their Bible, without having freedom. They know if they can stop that force in America, the battle is going to be easy. And most Bible students know the Philistines today are not a people who used to be around years ago. The Philistines that we're reading about in this text this morning, they're gone. But they are a type of the kind of Philistines that we're going to have to fight today in 2022. They, those Philistines, represent The devil and his crowd who hate Christianity and its followers today 
So you see, the spirit of the Philistines today have one agenda, and that is to stop your well and stop your digging with all the dirt and ideologies and lies and lifestyles that they are trying to promote today. Throughout the Bible, the Philistines were warlike. They were contentious. They were hateful. They were idolaters. And all of that was vented towards the people of God in the Old Testament and now in the spiritual battle is being vented against that beloved city, the church of the firstborn. They couldn't get along with anybody. They are divisive and deceptive. And what we see today in human behavior is the result of evil spirits that have been turned loose in this world, in this country, by Satan to stop our rivers of living waters from freely flowing to the thirsty and dying souls all around us. That's why we've got to keep digging and digging deep to show the world that Christ is the only true light and hope of the world. We've all discovered it's difficult for us to be in contention and strife with others and still have a steady flow coming from our wells. Let me warn you. Stop messing around and wasting your time with all this petty stuff. With all this stuff that don't amount to a hill of bean, when you look at the condition we're in and you look at it from eternity's perspective, we're all up in the air, our feathers are all ruffled because of all our little petty instances. You and I don't have time to mess around with that kind of stuff. All it's designed by the Philistines is to dry up your well. So if it happens in the kingdom of God, stop it immediately. In the way that the Bible teaches us to resolve our conflicts, we are not Philistines, we are brethren. The Philistines were the tribes of giants. Listen to this. The Philistines were the tribes of giants in the earth back then. All their tribes, they were giants. And Israel one day came up against a Philistine called Goliath. And the kind of spirits that are assaulting our freedoms and faith in God in America today are not small spirits. They are giant spirits. They are ungodly spirits. They are bold and aggressive spirits. They are spirits who are surrounding the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That's what Revelation 20 says is going to happen just before the fire comes down. They come out of the four corners of the earth, numbered as the sands of the seashore, and they went up on the, um, uh, up on the breadth of the earth, 
And they surrounded who? Washington? No, they're gone. They surrounded the camp of the saints. They surrounded the beloved city. Wherever rivers of living water are coming out of the souls of those that are in those churches, that's who they're after. That means they're after you. That means we're after me. So the Philippians, Philippians were the tribes of the giants in the earth and the kind of spirits that are assaulting our freedom and faith in God today, they're not small spirits. And when the devil talked the saints into being passive and quiet and obedient to these giant spirits, what happened the last two, three, five years? while these spirits were ravaging and tearing up the kingdom of God, trying to, tearing up God's people, trying to stop worship in this country. What was the church doing? They were backing up. And they went in the corner and they was all shaken. I told you two months ago, a spirit of fear has been turned loose in this country. And while the church was backing up, the devil assembled an army of spirits, spirits who were loud and aggressive and in high places and powerful. Many believers in American churches became undercover agents while these spirits begin to attack the people of God and through fear and faint-heartedness cause the saints to stop digging. Goliath, he terrorized the army of Israel twice a day with his spirit of intimidation. But then a little David showed up and he said, he may be bigger than me. He may have more armor on him than I have, but one thing he doesn't have he doesn't have a loving relationship with God. And the name of that God, he, he took him on. And he hit him right between the horns and then cut his head off. And then he insulted him in the way. He said to Israel, to Saul, who's this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? It is impossible. It is impossible for an evil spirit to overcome the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A fear was turned loose in America five years ago. What's happening, saints? What happened? Some of the saints got weary. Some stopped participating in serious worship with God. Others went down to Egypt to see if they could find something a little easier. Because all these Babylonian philosophies, then they all started to get into people's heads. I don't have to go to church to be saved. 
I know what preachers are going to say before I get there. I can watch the services while I'm still in bed on live stream. I didn't come to hurt anybody today. I didn't come to throw stones today. But I've come to tell you the truth and to try to save you and prepare you for what's right around the corner in America. You better wake up. You got all you can do to fight the enemies of God, much less fuss with one another over peace. Amen? So I didn't come to hurt you. I come to save you, try to save you through the gospel. If you want a nightclub atmosphere, find a church whose worship's in the dark. But I'm a child of light, not a child of darkness. It ain't going to work. If you want a church where the loud music and mood-moving beats excite you more than the word of God, there's plenty out there. Help yourself. Christians out there are raising their kids with these dumb philosophies. I don't want to put my religion on my child. No, but you teach them how not to touch a hot stove. You teach them how to watch for cars in the road. And then you want them to just decide on whether they want religion. You're not a parent. You're a disgrace. And then when the children do something wrong, well, honey, you got to have a time out. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. You spare the rod and you spoil the children. You can't hurt them too much, but you got to hurt them enough to get their attention. Isn't that right, fellas? Isn't that right, girls? See, they're smart. See how smart they're getting just being in a church of God where they can hear the gospel? The gospel will protect you. God will protect you. And all the things that you want out there, the desires of your heart, the legal desires, God will give them to you. If you build an altar first. Amen? Let me wrap it up. Everything in this country got bad while the Philistines were plugging our wells. The churches kept backing up, being quiet, saying nothing, nothing from their pulpits much. We need, like never before, to start digging deeper. Somebody you love is sick. Somebody you love is lost. Somebody you know is struggling. Keep digging. America is under attack. Keep digging. Don't run off to Egypt. Stand your ground and keep digging. Because God has made a land for us all. Here's what the Philistines did to destroy one nation. 
You can read it in the Bible. They took captive all the Jewish children who knew how to make weapons. Parallel that with what's going on today. They got all the children who knew how to make weapons of war, now to make those swords and those spears and all those catapult things. And they took them captive and left the nation of Israel defenseless. If the Philistines can take from you your ability to make war, spiritual war, you will be an easy target. Look at the text. The Philistines kept stopping Abraham and Isaac's wells. But Isaac just kept digging. Now listen carefully. The Philistines, the Philistines are the only people mentioned in the entire Bible by name who stole the Ark of the Covenant. It was the Philistines. Why did they steal the Ark of the Covenant? Because the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. And wherever they went, whatever battle they went in, they took that box with them. And they put it on the shoulders of the priest. And as long as they had that box, nobody could defeat them. And the Philistines knew that they wouldn't be able to defeat them unless they stole the Ark of the Covenant. That's what they're trying to do to you today. That's what they're trying to do every day in this country. Trying to steal the Ark of the Covenant, but not the one that's on the shoulder, but the one that's in your heart. The Philistines knew where the strength of God's people was. It was in the presence of God. And that's where our strength is today. So through the intimidation of Philistine giants and stealing Israel's ability for warfare and stopping their ability to dig deep in the wells of salvation, it all resulted in the saints, because of fear, they backed off of digging. They backed off of worshiping God faithfully. They backed off of the spiritual duties. When we see this unlawfulness and crime stats going sky high in every category, when you see the changing of norms and long-standing definitions being turned upside down, and when you see food and medicine shortages and famines of God's word springing up throughout our societies, know that Satan is loosed in America, and the Philistines are looking for you. It's imperative when people come into our house of worship, they must see rivers of living waters flowing from our wells. So God help us. I'm through. God help us to dig a little deeper. We're not going to get by 
in this kind of environment with a matter-of-fact type worship. And we come in here and people walk into these build, this, this building and walk in for the first time, they need to see the rivers of living waters coming out of our souls. They need to see happy faces. Amen. They need to, how, how long has it been since somebody in this church except Brother Gayhart walked the aisles, had a hand up praising God. Sometimes I come in this church and I wonder if you think it's a funeral. If anybody's got anything to shout about, it's the people of the Church of God of Licking County. Amen. I know what you're saying. It ain't my nature. That's a lie. Because I've watched you at Ohio State football games. Hmm? I've watched you when your little, little league team and your son hit a hit. Yeah. You need to get your nose in God's GPS and find who you are and where you are. I'm not preaching this to make you mad, although some of you do look mad. But that's okay. So God help us to redig the well of prayer. Sherm, you can come. Redig the well of fasting. Redig the well of warfare. Redig the well of holy living. Redig the well of intercession. Redig the wells of loving one another with pure hearts fervently. By this shall all men know that we are the people of God because we have loved one for another. What a text. And all I did was scratch the surface. Let me see. I want to find that scripture. I want to say something to you. I see things in the word of God that just make me want to do a flip. Let me see if I can find it. Amen. Help yourself.
Let me read this scripture, brother. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your testimony. And he removed, verse 22, and they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it hatred. And he removed from thence and he digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it that well Rehoboth. You know what Rehoboth means? It was the seventh well of springing water. There are seven angels, seven trumpets, seven women, seven, 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 all the way through the Revelation. And there's only seven wells going to be putting forth water. And we're in that time. And we're in that era. Of the seventh well dispensation. Maybe we need to do some digging. I know we do. I do. Sharon, what do you have for us? Page 150. Like to stand, please. We're going to do it a little different. I've never done this before in my life. Need to pray, come on. I want you to sing the last verse first. Because it says, Thou, the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? Start with that last verse. Listening Bring those kids down. Let them get at the altar. And you big kids, maybe we need to start digging as a church. Maybe we need to get a little more familiar praying as a group for what's going on in America. We're going to pray with the kids, but it'd be nice to have some of the adults to come down and dig deep for these kids and dig deep for their futures. What they're having to face today is ungodly awful. Let's dig, church. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig deep enough where the living waters, the rivers of living waters, will flush us out and get all the trivia and all the pettiness out of our lives so we can get down to business. Living for God. There's room on the front row. The kids can be and sit anywhere. You adults can sit on the front row if you want or stand with the kids, whatever is comfortable. All right, sir, let's sing that last verse first. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than 
yes, yes. Some of you prayer warriors to come down. We got to get behind these kids. We got to get behind this church. God bless you, God bless you. Into another verse. Great song. Sing the first one. God for a digging church. We saw the results of it in Camp Meeting. Listen. we're living in is unbelievable and I'd like to put a challenge out before you not only just to pray now but how many would be willing you don't have to raise your hand but how many would be willing to pray for these children every school day there's terrible terrible things going on and we need to get behind them with everything that we've got, the power of God, that we can bring down the power of God, and they can feel that while they're in school. They're going to school. Some of them are allowed. They think they're a cat. So they've put litter boxes in some of the restrooms at school. And it isn't just where I heard it from, a teacher but it's in our community also, different things that are going on like this. But I challenge you to pray every morning with your child. But those also that don't have children, a lot of us here that are in school, that you would pray for these children every morning before school starts. Thank you. Just play softly, Brenda. Dustin, I want you to lead us in a short prayer I want Donna to follow up and I'll close okay here let me get your microphone 
We're digging this morning. We are digging. Father, thank you so much for this church and this lion, absolute lion behind the pulpit that you anointed to come here. Yes, God help us. And preach a ferocious message so the demons of hell can hear this and tremble. Lord, I just ask that you put a hedge of protection around each and every one of these kids and each and every one of these adults. God, we need a hedge of protection around us too. Lord, help us to realize each day where our strength comes from to help us to walk this walk and not simply talk it. God, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Yes, Lord. God, bring revival into this church. That's what we need. Teach us how to pray, God. We don't even know how to pray properly without you. Lord, help us to have the wisdom that we need to lead the life that you want us to. God, please bring people into this church that yes. need salvation and that we can minister to. And God, put yes. people in our lives that are lost. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Heavenly Father, as we humbly bow before you today, we want to thank you, dear God, for the truth that we heard today. Father, that you care enough to send us the truth, that you care enough, God, to send your spirit to work in our lives, that you haven't left us alone, dear God, that you're still working on us. Father, and I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to take this message and apply it to our own heart, to our own life, our own mind, and not, Lord, think it's for someone else. We each need it. Dear God, as we humbly bow before you, we just pray, dear God, that you would help us. That we would be lively stones, dear God. That our lives would be such, dear God, that these sweet children, dear God, can look upon us. And we would have lives, God, that they want to build upon. That we would have lives, dear God, that they can look to. To know how to build a life, to know how, dear God, to walk, to know how to think, to know how to live. God, help us to be. Lord, I've said it many times, but we need you to help us be the people of God you would have us to be. We all have an influence, dear God, one way or the other, Lord, and help us to make sure, dear God, that our calling, our election is sure that our lives are what they ought to be. Dear God, that we can blaze a trail for those who are coming up behind us, dear God. We bring these precious children, God, these babies to you. Lord, they're getting ready to start another school year, dear God, and we pray that you would go before them. We pray, dear God, that you'll put your hand upon them. Dear God, that you'll build a hedge around them, as the other brothers said, dear God, and protect them, dear God, from the evil one. Dear God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help them, God, to want to to know you, dear God, and to live for you, dear Lord, and be a light, dear God, and be an influence, Lord. They're going in places that we can't, dear God, but we know that your power can go with them. We know, dear God, it's your desire to put your hand on each one of these lives and use them in a powerful yes, way. And we yes. pray, dear God,
that you would help them and help us, dear God, to support them with our love and our prayers, dear God. And we just ask for your safety over them. We ask, dear God, that you would just protect them and take care of them and help them, dear God, that when we come into this place, it's a place of refuge, dear God. It's a place where they can be fed and sheltered and strengthened, dear God, to live in this world, dear God. We just ask, Lord, these blessings upon these kids, dear God, in our church. We ask it, Father, in your name. Amen. Father, thank you. It's been a good day. Thank you for our kids. Thank you for the parents who have sacrificed and prayed and did everything they could to provide for them spiritual security. And Lord, we know that their understanding at times is still growing. But help them, O oh God, as they look around in their schools and as they see what they see, give them discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. And O oh God, we pray that you'll keep a hedge about them. We know they're targeted. They know, we know they're the generation that the Philistines are wanting to knock out. All they need to do is break one link and the chain is broke. Lord, keep your hand upon them. Bless them and give them discernment. Discernment ahead of their age. Lord, use them. Maybe there's preachers in the midst. Maybe there's missionaries. Maybe there's soul winners. But oh God, we covet. We covet them. We covet them, Lord. And we want you to keep your hand upon them. Bless the families that are represented as well. We want to thank you for your word. For that great system that you have that can locate every soul that's ever lived and you can sort it all out in the end and every man, woman, boy and child will have a just judgment help us oh God that we might do what we can do better as a church help us to keep digging and know oh God hasten the day when rivers of living waters can flow out in our midst. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus our Lord. Will you pray? Sing it. Will you pray for me? For I need his love. For I need his love and his care, his care. Pray. 